All right, before we get into anything else today, I do find I got a little bit of a responsibility here, Parker Thune, because yesterday on The Rush, someone texted us that you can buy tickets for the OU Nebraska game at face value on Huskers.com. Face value. Secondary market is extremely expensive, around 250 bucks per ticket if you're going to go StubHub or whatever. Someone sent us a text yesterday on the Air Coverage Solutions text line. Hey, Huskers.com, go there. You can buy them for $150 apiece. Now, $150 is still pretty steep Yeah, piece, no doubt. No doubt. But uh, may have bought two tickets during yesterday's show. I did buy two tickets during yesterday's show. So that's some good news, but I am a little bit worried today. I don't think Nebraska's charged us just yet on that. And as I kind of look at their – as I look at their website – the tickets aren't supposed to go on sale, the single-game tickets, until next week, July 26th at 10 a.m. Though, however, if you scroll down to the upcoming events on the Oklahoma game, 11 a.m. September 17th, you can go right there and buy two public tickets for 150 bucks each. Right? It's right there. The transaction was made, all of that. I'm just scared to death that I feel like I ran across a great deal yesterday and for some reason, it's going to be null and void because they're not actually supposed to be listed yet. Please tell me that this doesn't eventually happen to me. I'm starting to get very concerned. I hope this isn't too good to be true in the end. It feels too good to be true, doesn't it? Good point, text line. You're, you're, My wife bought two tickets yesterday. Yes, I did not. She did. She took care of it. All right, well, you're making the trip. Well, I, I mean, regardless, yes, I just hope that I got them um, at 150 bucks each and not 250 bucks or $300 a piece. But if Nebraska rolls into that game 3-0, and and I actually think Nebraska might roll into that game 3-0, and then uh, there's a chance that those tickets are going to continue to climb north. So I'm just hoping I'm, I got them at face value. That's what I'm hoping today. Hopefully they're like, no, that wasn't supposed to be open. Sorry. Uh, we'll refund yeah, you well, your like, money. Yeah, well, like, what are they going to do? We'll refund you your money. They're going to be like, no, sorry. you can't have the tickets? They may. I don't know. Kindle, you're going to get voided. Yeah, maybe. I'll get voided in the end. I don't know. I'm just overly concerned today about something that's not until, well, how many days away is that? It's like, that's like, uh, tw- uh, it's 66 days away, and I'm concerning myself with it today. Just want it to be all good. I just want it to be a great trip. That's all. Hopefully I got these tickets on the cheap end. I tell you what, my brain is in shambles right now, not because of anything football-related, but because uh, per Steely's goading, I googled pictures and videos of Wayman Tisdale playing bass, and apparently he played the bass both upside down and backwards because he was left-handed, which is astonishing to me because as a bassist, I cannot fathom that. Like, it is literally tying my brain in knots. I mean, if you just want to talk about just overall gifted, just like gifted people or gifted individuals ever to roll through the University of Oklahoma, Wayman Tisdale isn't among the top of the list. <laughs> Wayman Tisdale is number one at the top of the list. I mean, that, that's the thing, Parker, is, you know, very few are gifted with athletic talent. Probably even fewer are gifted musical talents, right? And he is the one person that I know of that's rolled through Norman that has both of those. And not only just athletic and musically, 
but elites both athletically and musically. He is the greatest OU basketball player of all time, bar none, and he was an incredible musician, as you're seeing. I, he, he could play like I, I, any way that he wanted to. Name me a more talented individual than Wayman Tisdale. Please, the text line is open. I'll listen. 405-651-3439. But I bet you can't do it. Wow, man. I, I just I, – I, this is going to be stuck in my head for days, probably. Now, You're every, gonna get into a YouTube rabbit hole now. I, I will get, get into a YouTube the, the rabbit show. hole, and I promise you, the next time I pick up my bass and start playing, like I'm gonna start mentally going through the process of what it would look like to play the bass with the strings strung in reverse order, and it's going to melt my circuits. It's hey, it's good. it'd be a good time though, right? Ah, we lost Wayman far too soon. Uh, yeah, no doubt. Uh, nine one eight. Can you guys talk about claimed versus unclaimed national titles? OU has eleven unclaimed national titles, which would put them at eighteen. Are there some titles they can or should go back and claim? Didn't OSU recently claim one from nineteen forty five? As a general rule of thumb, don't do things that Oklahoma State does. Yeah, would be my recommendation. So. Yes, Oklahoma State went back. and I, I, I'm going to get down a rabbit hole with regard to that whole process because it is comical in and of itself. But I will say this. Um, I, 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 I don't see any reason why Oklahoma should go and claim any of their unclaimed. Yeah, I, I don't know. Because it, it's you just don't like, need to do it. Because at that point, here's the thing. With Oklahoma State's 1945 national championship title, you can point at them and laugh, right? You can have— And that's what we did. Exactly. You can have your fun about how, oh, little brother thinks it's cute that they won a national title. If you go back and claim another national title that you haven't claimed to this point, you're stooping to their level. Yeah. And that's a bad look. Look, I I know it's been, what, 21 years now, and and we've been waiting for the next national championship. I know a lot of us around here are growing a little impatient. We want it to happen, but Parker... I, I don't care, man. You've got seven that you can claim. No good can come from going back and claiming a national championship from 50 years ago. You're not going to get what you're seeking. All you're going to get is a bunch of fan bases making fun of you. I, there's no good that can come of it. It's like when USC, when uh, what the NCAA took away their 2004 national championship and the thought was, well, should OU claim that title now? No, oh, you should not claim that title. They got beat 55-19 in the Orange Bowl that year. OU's got seven national championships. They don't have zero looking for their first one. It's all good. It's all okay. I, n- nothing good can come from, you know, claiming a national championship that you won in 1968 because some small-town newspaper awarded it to you. Oklahoma State does that. Alabama has certainly done that, and Alabama still gets made fun of to this day for claiming some of the ridiculous titles that they have. Where do you draw the line between a national title that you should claim and a national title that you shouldn't claim? Um, because if you think about AP, BCS, college football playoff. Okay. So before BCS, you only claim AP national titles. Before CFP, you only claim BCS national titles. That's what we're saying. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, for okay. the most, yeah, for the most I, part. I would agree with that. I feel like that's the most simple, straightforward way to look at it. But I've never been on board of uh, claiming the 2004 national championship because just because USC got stripped of it. 
No way. I mean, you you played each other head to head. Unfortunately, it didn't go your way that night. I'm not claiming a national championship when I lost the national championship game that year. Um, text line saying that their Nebraska tickets cost two hundred dollars a piece. Yikes! I hope you got really good seats if they're two hundred bucks a piece. Nine one eight. Even with as bad as Nebraska has been recently, would that game count as BV's first signature win? Huh, okay. I think there's a difference in a good hard-fought win and a signature win. I don't think that that should count as a signature win, seeing as down as Nebraska has been in a while. Like, we'll acknowledge it, Parker, as that's a good win. Like, their record at the end of the year might not show that, but you go up to Nebraska and win in week three. The kitchen sink, they're going to throw it all out. Whatever the best version of Nebraska is this year, OU's going to see that in week three. It'll be a good win. A signature win, though, I don't think so because I think much much better days are to come yeah, for this well, program. Under and, and unless, here's the thing, unless Baylor or Oklahoma State is like still undefeated by the time they square off with Oklahoma at Owen Field, I I feel like Brent Venables' signature win in his first year as head football coach at OU almost has to come against Texas, right? It almost has to. Because regardless of how good Texas is, that is going to be the game that most everyone remembers come the end of the season. Scotty in New Orleans says, I can't listen at two every day, so I have to depend on the podcast to uh, catch up. Well, Scotty, uh, appreciate you listening to the podcast. Uh, yeah, the ref on Apple iTunes is, uh, is where you can catch that one. Jim Thorpe, someone is responding, Jim Thorpe, but Jim Thorpe didn't roll through OU. That, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, Jim Thorpe, when you consider all of his athletic achievements, Probably has a claim as the greatest athlete in Oklahoma history. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly, certainly the greatest athlete in the history of the state of Oklahoma. Potentially the greatest athlete of the modern era. I was, I was just about to say Alabama has done that and they have like 18. They claim, I feel like these young athletes don't understand that. Yeah. Bama has been claiming national titles left and right over the years. Even some, uh, that they uh, probably shouldn't claim. All right, um, we got Travis Davidson coming up at 235 today. Is there anyone hotter on the recruiting trail right now than OU? And I guess you can just look back to the previous, what, three weeks or so in the month of July, but as things stand today, is OU the hottest team when it comes to the 23 class? As of right now today, yeah, probably. I don't know how much longer that lasts because inevitably some team is going to hit their stride and get something like six or seven commitments in the span of a week. It happens on a different timetable for every program across college football. But, no, if you're an OU fan, man, you're enjoying this little spree in the month of July and hoping you close strong with Derek LeBlanc and maybe a couple other nice little bonuses at the end of the month. But when you look back on July – I. I'd hazard a guess that Oklahoma probably ends up with more commits than any other program nationally in the month of July. Yeah, um, would you say Alabama is, has been hot in the month of July? Miami has been hot recently. Like, if not OU, who are the other teams in consideration for having you know the 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 last three weeks have been the best in college football for them? Miami, Alabama, is LSU been hot recently? Any of those teams stick LSU out? LSU has been really hot, no doubt. And they're, they're starting to get commits in the 2024 class as well, not just 2023. But if you're strictly talking about 2023, there's probably not a team right now that is as hot as Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, 
I um, Sam Bradford's got to be high on the list. That's another good one on the text line. Yeah, Sam was uh, or is a great golf player as well as a great football player. And did he also play basketball at PC North? I feel like he also played basketball at PC North. I feel like he played every single sport that PC North probably had to offer while he was going to high school up there. He was also like a really good golfer, too. Yeah, I just, that's what I just said, yeah, yeah. golfer. Yeah. And in fact, at the ladies' clinic this weekend, they did that big, long list of live auction items, and one of the auction items was golf lessons with Sam Bradford. Is so, that what he's doing these days? He's just enjoying retired life teaching golf? I, uh, I mean, hey, that's a pretty great life. I don't know life. if he's teaching golf. I think he, he's playing a lot of golf. And he probably volunteered himself like, yeah, Brent, I'll help you out. I'll, I'll give golf lessons to someone to help raise money for the, uh, for the uh, 212 charity, which is pretty cool. But, yeah, Sam Bradford, pretty good one. Also helps that uh, he won a Heisman Trophy as well. All right, hit us up with your recruiting questions on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. So there's a lot of schools right now in this 2023 class that are ranked in the top 15, in the top 10. I'm wondering, though, if some of these schools, if this is a flash in the pan, or can we expect these certain programs with these certain head coaches to be a mainstay of where they're at right now in recruiting? I'll ask Parker that and more coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the Homo Sooner fans. Locked in with McComas and Thune live on the ref. Travis Davidson going to join us next segment. Talk a little OU football. Talk a little recruiting. Text line is uh, hitting us back here saying, well, Wayman was awesome, but maybe Kyler Murray, number one overall pick, Heisman Trophy, top ten pick in the MLB draft. Yeah, but did he play an instrument? Come on. What's more difficult? To, uh, to play the way that uh, Wayman did or get selected top 10 in the MLB draft, Parker? Who gets the edge here, Wayman Tisdale or Kyler Murray? I would say Wayman gets the nod. Thank you. Um, just because, like, athleticism is transferable from one sport to another. There is nothing transferable about your skills playing basketball and your skills playing the bass guitar. Zero. Hey, somebody brought this up on the text line as well. Sam Bradford was like an elite hockey player. I, you know too. what? And I have never heard that before. But that is that amazing. and that completely slipped my mind. But no, like that was a thing too, where like he could have. There was a thought he could have played in the NHL if he wanted to. <laughs> Some guys just get it all, Parker. Some guys just get it all. Keep the text coming. 405-651-3439. Air Comfort Solutions text line. All right, I'm looking at some schools in recruiting right now, and I'm seeing a very uh, – I'm seeing an interesting number next to their name. You tell me if this is a flash in the pan or something we can expect moving forward. Let's start with Notre Dame. This, this is shaping up to be – one of Notre Dame's best classes ever. Notre Dame's got the number two overall class. Is this going to be a thing with Marcus Freeman or eh, just the first-year head coach? No, I mean, thing? look, I've been saying it from the get-go with Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman. This is going to be a thing. This is going to be a team that recruits on elite level, on an elite level, and I think this is going to be a team that plays on an elite level under their new head coach. So, uh, no, this is certainly not a flash in the pan to me. I think Notre Dame is poised to uh, be in position to reel in top five classes for years to come. This is, um, you, you know, in terms of the hires that Notre Dame has made recently, I'm thinking of Brian Kelly. I'm thinking of, I mean, at Lou Holtz, you go back to the 80s, right? I'm thinking of, um, who were some other guys that Notre Dame's had here recently? You had Charlie Weiss at one point, right? 
Um, Bob Davey was there in the late 90s, early 2000s. Tyrone Willingham was there at a time. Like, you get a point. It, it, it feels like it's been a long time since Notre Dame has hired a young up-and-comer and they're already benefiting off of that on the recruiting trail. So I'm with you, man. I really like the Marcus Freeman hire at Notre Dame. I think he's going to do really big things, and I think he's going to do really big things because I think he's going to be probably pretty consistent in the top ten in recruiting moving forward. And, and Notre Dame's always been able to get players, but this just kind of seems like a different element than what they've had at head coach in quite some time. Man, uh, Nebraska's going to need to hire me as their AD somewhere down the line because at the end of the 2020 season I said – Run Scott Frost off the ranch and push a blank check in front of Marcus Freeman. And if Marcus Freeman is as successful as I think he's going to be at Notre Dame, that's going to be something that Nebraska fans look back on. Because I I was not the only one saying it either. Like, there were other folks that were in that same boat. Nebraska should go hire Marcus Freeman before he gets snapped up and gets a bigger gig elsewhere. If Marcus Freeman has a ton of success at Notre Dame, that's going to hurt Nebraska fans even more than they're already hurt. And they're pretty dang hurt at this point in time. I'm seeing a number three overall ranking by Penn State's name. Now, in the 2022 class last year, they'd had the number six overall class, but they really hadn't been close to that in, you know, previously under James Franklin. Flash in the pan for Penn State in the top three or something we need to expect moving forward? It's it's hard because that's that's one of those teams that I think is every year going to be in the seven to ten range, and if they strike gold a couple times, they could end up with a top five class. If they miss on a couple big targets, they could end up just outside the top ten. But I think Penn State is pretty firmly cemented, at least as long as James Franklin is there, as a top 10 team generally yeah Clemson is at number four now Clemson has been recruiting at a high level for a while now but with the recent turnovers on the staff is Dabo going to continue to recruit in the top five or is this just eh they're having a really nice class but don't expect them to be a top five top eight class on the reg moving forward yeah I think it'll drop off at some point for Clemson and that staff has done a phenomenal job in the 2023 cycle. I mean phenomenal. Getting Vic Burley and getting Peter Woods in particular were huge for that staff. Two recruitments that realistically they should not have won and did. Um, I struggle to believe that Sands, Brent Venables, and Tony Elliott Clemson is going to have this much success recruiting in the long term, but I don't think it's going to fall off in drastic fashion. I don't think next year you're going to see the number 30 class in the country for Clemson. They're going to be up there in the upper tier, the first or the second tier, but I don't think it's going to be the norm anymore that they are recruiting top five classes. You know, it's, you know we have to factor in, too, I guess, how heavily involved all these schools are with NIL, right? And that's why when I see Tennessee at number seven and I ask you about the Vols, I would tend to say, yeah, I kind of think that this is going to be a bit of a flash in the pan for Josh Heupel out there in Knoxville. But with how heavily involved they are in NIL, the more I think about it that way, I wouldn't be super surprised, Parker, if we see more Tennessee classes in the top eight moving forward. Here's what you have to consider about Tennessee. That is a program where if they get it rolling, if they truly get it rolling and they start winning year in and year out, they can be very dangerous. That is a program that can get real dangerous real quickly. But 
it has not come together for that program in quite some time. You're going back about a quarter century. Need last a quarterback, time they man. Were, They've uh, needed a quarterback for 20 years now. Precisely. And so if Nico is that guy, then, yeah, Tennessee – I mean, long time. I'm not. I'm not saying they become Alabama because it's going to be very hard for any team to become Alabama, uh, especially in the era that we're entering. I don't think there will be another dynasty in college football that rivals what Alabama and Nick Saban have done. But I think Tennessee can get on the level of a program like Georgia, for instance, where they're a top five, top ten program every single year, and. They make a college football playoff or two, and maybe they end up playing for a national championship within the next decade or so. LSU is currently at number eight. Again, another program that we routinely see inside the top ten. Ton of in-state talent in Louisiana. Per capita, it might be you know the, the, the best state when it comes to recruiting. But they got a new staff, Brian Kelly. Not a lot of roots in the Louisiana area. And though they're ranked number eight, they've got 16 commits. I think only three are from the state of Louisiana. LSU fans are frigging out a little bit that they're not getting the best players from their own state. LSU at number eight. We expect this moving forward, or is Brian Kelly going to slip in recruiting there? Well, I think we're going to find out very quickly whether or not Brian Kelly is the coach for LSU. Because I, I have my – I don't necessarily I, – I, I don't know if I would call them doubts. I have my – Questions. I have a certain degree of skepticism about Kelly being a cultural fit at LSU. But the LSU job, when done right, is absolutely one of the best jobs in college football because you have a hotbed of a state in terms of prep talent and you don't have a whole lot of competition. So if you can build a wall around your own state, and I think that will be priority 1A, at least it should be for Brian Kelly and that staff, is establishing the wall around the state of Louisiana. If you can do that and you can steal a couple blue chippers every year from Alabama and from Georgia and from Florida, you have the opportunity to be a perennial national championship contender. Being the only Power 5 in a state that rich, yeah, I mean, it is an incredible benefit for LSU. And you know, other states that are talent rich, let's use the state of Texas or Florida, for example is you might be the flagship university in a talent-rich state, but you've got so many other competitors coming from the outside. LSU's in Texas. Oklahoma's in Texas. Bama's in Texas. Hey, Ohio State will get kids from Texas. But in Louisiana, man, um, LSU gets the bulk of those kids. And really the only school I feel like, Parker, that's challenged them in the past decade for the best players in that state routinely has been Alabama. It almost feels like if it's if it's not if it's not Alabama there they're, they're going to LSU. That's really been the only school that's given LSU problems in their own state is Bama, but not really anyone else for the most part. Texas A&M has periodically gotten a kid or two. Most recently, Jacoby Matthews, the five-star safety, last cycle from LSU. Because you think about it, College Station isn't too far away from Louisiana, so they have some regional pull there. But for the most part. The talent in Louisiana stays in Louisiana, and that's how it's got to be. You can't be losing a kid like Tackett Curtis to Mule Shoe out at USC if you're strange. going to return to national championship contention. All right, how about Oklahoma at number nine? First-year head coach Brent Venables. Flash in the pan class for OU? Or, no, let's expect this to be a top-ten class moving forward in terms of you know what they get out on the recruiting trail. 
can OU routinely get top ten classes under Brent Venables? There's a slight pause here from Parker. I just, like, I, I almost feel like that expectation is too low. Is Like, because so many people have made the comparison or have made, drawn the parallels between Nick Saban and Brent Venables. Like, and I, I, here's the thing. I'm struggling because I don't want to look at this thing through crimson-colored glasses, even if I'm unintentionally doing so. I just think Oklahoma's going to get to the point and get to the point very quickly where they're not just recruiting top 10 classes every year. They're recruiting top five and even top three classes every year because I, I have not said it with my own lips, but more credible people than I have, Brent Venables could be the closest thing to Nick Saban over the next decade. Well, Thad Turnipseed that said that, right? Well, Thad Turnipseed definitely yeah. said that, yes. He was he was among those who did. But I I don't know if Brent Venables will ever have a non-top-10 class at Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, maybe at some point. Um, maybe, I mean, like, maybe there's like the stars align and you need to take a really, really light class because you just don't have a lot of attrition. And so the numbers don't add up to the point where you can break the top 10, but in an ideal world, Tyler, like if everything goes according to plan, I don't know that there will ever come a day where Brent Venables doesn't have a top 10. Yeah. You do have to factor in as well. that you know, if and when Brent Venables starts to have really good defenses at Oklahoma. And I think that we're actually already seeing it. But some of these three stars that they're offering that aren't getting a whole lot of attention nationally, I think whether it's 247 or on three or rivals, you say to yourself, okay, well, we had this kid rated here. It's not very high. What does this Brent Venable staff see in this kid? And then they really start to get in the tape and they say, oh, okay, well, after further review, we see a little bit more of what the staff saw. Let's go ahead and bump this kid up. Uh, PJ Adabare, anyone? PJ Adabare, Omasigo. Yeah, I mean, there's your, there's your two examples right there. By the way, I guess we can hit this text. Just heard Texas is making a run at Peyton Kirkland. I know he's not a take here, but maybe UT. Uh, yeah, that's real. Yeah, we had another text about it as well because there was a uh, someone dropped a crystal ball on it. I think uh, Peyton Kirkland at Texas. That's real odd. That's, he was not in the uh, it's final. It's real five. odd, but it's real. Yeah. Um, let's see, yeah, Pey- Pey- uh, Peyton Kirkland. Does OU land Vickers, Akana, and Evans? Yes, yes, maybe. I'm less confident with Evans than I am with the other two. But yes, I think they get Makari Vickers and Tassili Akana, both of whom are national top 100 guys. That is my expectation, is that they both will be Sooners. This uh, Peyton Kirkland deal is wild, man. It is wild, and I'm interesting to hear what the narrative of that is. I mean... For a kid that might end up picking a school that wasn't in his final five, Parker, we never see that before. I and, mean, we're, we're listen, used to surprises, but not not like that. And you wonder why Oklahoma bowed out of the Peyton Kirkland sweepstakes? It's because of stuff like this. Yeah. All right, let's talk to Travis Davidson. Coming up next, uh, 405-651-3439, your text on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. It is the ref. We're the Homeless Center fans. All right, he's our buddy in Tulsa. He is Travis Davidson. We talk to him every single Wednesday at 2.35. You can also hear him on The Ref with me every single summer Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. Travis, I didn't forget about you today. How about that? Are you proud of me? I'm I'm very proud of you. Thank very you. proud of you. I, I, I know you probably had sticky notes and, <laughs> and you know, reminders in your phone and you maybe had it written down on your hand, so I appreciate that. 
Yeah, no, uh, OU's got the number nine overall class in the 2023 class. Saw this big month coming. Just kind of what's your overall thoughts on this class as uh, we sit here trending towards the end of July? Uh, well, I'm loving it, and I'm loving the, the quality that's being added. I mean, really, when you look at um, the kind of the targets that are left on our board, uh, they're all blue-chip guys, and uh, we talk about that ever-important um, blue-chip ratio. Uh, Oklahoma stands at, at 50% right now, um, which is kind of a, the minimum, right, you would ever want to be at, right? Only 15 teams are higher than 50% right now in the blue-chip ratio. Um, in the 2022 season. So as long as you continue to build on that and keep that roster upwards of 70%, you really give yourself a nice shot. And, uh, and I think I'm more excited uh, not only the quality that we have in the class and the fact that they're raising in the rankings, they're rising in the rankings, um, but just the elite talent that we have left on the board. Now, Travis, would love to get your thoughts on this whole Peyton Kirkland situation because this has obviously become – uh, a very popular topic of conversation on the Air Comfort Solutions text line over the last 15, 20 minutes or so. Of course, it's out there now that Texas all of a sudden appears to be making a run at the four-star offensive lineman out of Dr. Phillips High School in Orlando. This was a kid that Oklahoma ostensibly led for for months and months until they all of a sudden backed out and backed off two or three weeks ago now. Uh, this is this is a wild set of circumstances, Travis. What do you make of it? And uh, do you think OU made the right call at this point and just letting Kirkland go his own way and sticking with the four guys that they have committed? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, and, and anything I say about I'm sure he's a great kid. Uh, I'm sure he's not going to get in any trouble or anything like that. But uh, with cautionary tales like the one we learned of this morning out of uh, College Station, um, yeah. you know, Brent, Venable, Brent Venables has been very, very clear of, you recruit your problems. Uh, we've seen this happen with, uh, um, obviously, Texas A&M. This is their second wide receiver uh, issue that they've had. Um, you've seen this happen with with certain commits that Brad Venables has just said, no, you can't commit to us. I'm sorry, it's just not a good fit. Fit matters so much with this staff. And, man, if you're – I mean, I've talked to Florida guys that thought they were the ones. I've talked to um, – you know, obviously, oh, you guys thought we were the ones, and we obviously led. Now, Texas making a late push after never even hosting Kirkland on a visit and not even being in the top five. I mean, it's just that that is what's called recruiting your problems. And I'm, I'm becoming more and more uh, pleased by the, by the seemingly minute um, about this news that, that we backed off. I would love to read you a message board post from orangebloods.com, Travis. It reads like this. I was able to finally listen to Brent Venable's talk at Big 12 Media Days. Did you notice how he rambles on and on when asked a question? Gives me the impression this guy is winging it as he goes. Compare how Sark answers the question versus Venable's. An effective leader needs to be concise in their answer. Clearly understood. That's not Venable's. He will lose the audience, and he will lose his team. <laughs> your, your um, I imagine that... that- that poster has never effectively led anything in his life. Uh, so if you can look at Brad Venables and listen to Brad Venables and think that, oh, man, yeah, this guy, this guy's just not the one. Oklahoma wins. Uh, if he's thinking that, then, I mean, that's more just ingenious, um, ingenious stuff coming out of the orange bloods um, postings. Because that's, that's, it's, 
it's insanity. Anybody that's ever listened to Brent Venables or been led by Brent Venables would never would never say anything about that. Travis, looking at this visitor list for July 29th when the Sooners will host a bevy of elite 2023 prospects that are yet uncommitted, kind of get the chance to mingle them with many of the Oklahoma commits that will be present at that event on unofficial visits. If there's one guy that you're kind of circling and highlighting as, okay, this this is a kid whose visit to Oklahoma on July 29th is going to be very, very significant and could ultimately tip the scales in favor of the Sooners. Uh, who's that one guy that you think the Sooners really got to hit it out of the park with next weekend when they host a whole bunch of 2023s? I mean, I'd like to say David Hicks, obviously, since he'll be in town. Um, but give me give me Jordan Raynaud. Um, you know, obviously it's been an Alabama and Oklahoma battle. Um, a lot of people think that whoever kind of gets the last visit um, is going to be um, – you know, in line for his services. But I think with so many talented commits there, with so many other talented players, not to mention guys like Jacoby Johnson, who is obviously a heavy Oklahoma lean, um, guys like Bickers and Tosilio Kana, who I think personally are Oklahoma leans. Um, I, I think they can really, really do a lot of good work with Jordan Renaud. But, I mean, David Hicks is going to be your, your, your headliner there, and for good reason. Um, he may be the best player in the class. Uh, I know he is for a lot of people. So, uh, and that would be the one that would really be the stamp on uh, on Bates's arrival uh, in Oklahoma. Let me sneak in uh, something OU baseball related w- real quick. Thank you to Eric the Yardbird for uh, passing this on. Uh, Coach Johnson just announced today that Reggie Willits has been promoted to associate head coach within the program. Uh, I know that we're all glad to see that one because. Base running, yes, they they made their mistakes at times, but they also caused a lot of mistakes because they were uber-aggressive. And I think we saw a lot of teams make a lot of mistakes against OU in the postseason because just that, Travis, they were so aggressive. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a huge hire. And and not only for that reason, but it allows Skip to really focus on the pitching and, and, have, and have some of that, um, you know, have some of that alleviated. So we saw what happened when he was really able to focus on the pitching. I mean – he turned everybody into millionaires. <laughs> uh, you know, that's it's, it's funny because Ryan Gaines even put that out there. He said uh, he put a tweet out there that said, you know, the first pitcher's meeting was skipped next year, and it was the Regis Philbin who wants to be a millionaire uh, gift. Because, you know, with, with Skip fully bought in on – or not fully bought in, but uh, his attention fully turned to pitching, there's no, no reason OU shouldn't have one of the best pitching staffs in the country year in and year out. And if you've got one of the best pitching staffs in the country – that gives you the ability to get to Omaha. Hey, uh, Travis, how would you rate Steve Sarkeesian as a recruiter? Um, I, I mean, as a recruiter, I'd, I'd rank him, I don't know, B+. Plus, but then when you give him a, a big old checkbook, I guess he gets up to at least an A. Um, like I said, it's, it's one of those things like Coach Flood, who won like recruiter of the year last year, a University of Texas offensive line coach. Uh, he got that because he landed seven offensive linemen. Yeah, that sounds nice and dandy, but when you realize that he, they didn't even lead for a lot of them until they announced that pancake factory deal, and then all of a sudden they were flipping guys all over. Um, I mean, I, you look at uh, like Devin Campbell, he ends up a sooner if not for that pay factory deal. There's no doubt about that. So with, with that, I mean, can you really say that a guy's really good at recruiting if – He's paying everybody to – I mean, that'd be like saying somebody's 
a real ladies' man, Casanova, but he's out, you know, you know, buying buying dates. You know, it's not really the same. It cheapens it. By the way, inside joke on the whole Sark question because uh, Kirby Smart was asked earlier I today at SEC Media Days if he could comment on Sark as a recruiter, and Kirby was like, no, I, I, I can't. <laughs> and the Texas reporter that asked him, obviously, was angling for some response about Arch Manning and Jalen Hale and Sadir Mitchell. and the guy Yeah, that- I saw like Stetson Bennett was asked about Arch Manning today. Yeah, it's just like, you guys have nothing. Talk. Georgia just won the national championship. Why are you asking him about Sark and Arch Manning the whole time? Well, and they can't comment on any of that either. Jeez. It's yeah. against it's- NCAA regulations. Uh, by the way, yeah. Travis, uh, before we get you out of here, I-, I did notice something today, guys. You know, the biggest payoff of Lincoln Riley going to USC did not happen in L.A. The biggest payoff of Lincoln Riley to USC isn't even happening in Oklahoma right now, though we think that OU is, well, way better off than they were a year ago. The biggest payoff from that move is in Las Vegas right now because nobody is putting more money on a team to win the national championship than people in Vegas are putting on USC to win it all. That's the biggest payoff of this entire thing, Travis, is there's morons out there in the desert putting money, actual money, on USC to win the national championship. Vegas wins again. Yeah, you know, those of us that have uh, been to Vegas, I assume many people, many of the listeners have, I know, all three of us have because I've been there with one of you. Um, but those big, those big shiny buildings, they don't build them because people are smart with their money. They don't build them because people win. They build them because idiots go out there and bet on USC. That, I mean, they're going to be able, be able to build a whole nother golden fountain um, just based off USC you know, losing games alone. They do not build cities like that in the middle of the desert because people win. They do it because they people are dumb enough to bet on USC. It's unbelievable. I don't get it. Whatever. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk more about that Friday from 3 to 6 on the Friday Rush. Hey, man, good stuff as always, and I'm guessing you're going to be at Ash uh, in Tulsa on Friday, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll be out there. Couldn't be more appreciative uh, of, our, uh, of our friends at Ash Cigar Bar at 42nd and Sheridan in Tulsa. I'll be there from 3 to 6, and uh, come hang out. All right, you're going to be at Westwood, yeah? Uh, Westwood Golf, yeah, that's where I'll be, man. Making it happen. It'll be a good time. All right, talk to you then, man. Thanks, guys. There you go. Travis Davidson, at Travis Skoll, S-K-O-L on Twitter. Go give him a follow. All right, one final segment of Locked In coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. Roofing Systems, bringing you this hour of Locked In with McComas and Thune, EliteRoofingOK.com. Air Cover Solutions text line, people are pointing out but I guess Peyton Kirkland tweeted out hashtag fake news. I haven't even taken a visit there, but uh-huh. uh, that, I don't, that, I don't believe his claim of fake news. Yes, I, I'm, I'm with you on that one. And uh, if he ends up picking Texas, buddy, that's going to be wild. What's going to be the narrative around that nationally? That, oh, wow, Texas pays so much that they got a uh, – they got a kid they weren't even in in his final five for, or is everyone going to be bound down to Texas for this unbelievable recruiting job? Uh, I, I I would hope it's more of the former because it's really not an unbelievable recruiting job. As I mentioned yesterday, as of right now, to my knowledge, the only school in Peyton Kirkland's final five at which he is a take as of right now is Michigan State. So in reality, they're just they're basically. I, I almost said outbidding. I don't want to make it sound like it's straight money because that's a but that's an unhealthy assumption and or inference to make with any recruit. But they're 
They're outflanking Michigan State. That's what it boils yeah. down to. Uh, who are some of the major players in Akana's recruitment besides OU? That's on the text line. That's a great question. I, I don't really know that there are. Oh, hmm, it sounds like he's been a silent OU lean for quite some time, and if you can't name anyone else, then that one just might check out. Yeah, that's I, – I still think there's a decent chance he shuts it down after the visit at the end of this month. I think that possibility is very much on the table because when you look at Akana's recruitment, he's visited just about everywhere. Among the schools that he's interested in, He's visited just about everywhere, and not only has he visited about everywhere, he's visited multiple times just about everywhere. So he knows what he's getting himself into with each of these programs that uh, he's given the time of day to. He mentioned maybe taking another trip to Tennessee, maybe going to LSU as well. But, man, I, I find it very, very hard to believe, based on the people I've talked to, that Tessilia Khanna doesn't end up at the University of Oklahoma. Peyton on the, uh, you know, everyone in Vegas betting on USC right now or the majority of bets being on USC. I would take the bet from every single person on the internet right now and take out a loan to prove I can pay them back because it's a 100% guarantee win. Hey, I am uh, not very high on USC this year. I've been very vocal about that. But I could at least see a path to where USC is better than I think and maybe ends up winning the Pac-12, but I think that's their ceiling, winning the Pac-12 this year. There's no way they're going to be better than Alabama or Ohio State, who I think are the two best teams in the country. There, there is not a path in my mind for USC to be being, being better than both those two teams. So, yes, Peyton, I agree with you. You would 100% cash in on that if you bet everyone on the internet that USC won't win it. And all. they're not going to win the Pac-12 because Oregon and Utah still exist. Uh, yeah, and they're much better, I think, than uh, USC is this year. I would uh, definitely agree with that. All right, that'll do it for Parker. The Rush coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref.